What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 207 of the Ted Jones World Podcast. If you guys were at the Ted Jones show last night at the stand, you know we had an absolutely amazing time. Today being Thursday, guys, tomorrow night, you're not going to want to miss this comedy show. Friday night, 11.59 p.m., basically midnight. I just don't want to confuse you guys. So tomorrow night, Friday night at the stand, 116 E16th Street. The tickets are a little bit cheaper, so we're expecting a lot of you guys get your tickets. It's in this Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you guys are listening to this podcast. Just check the link right there. But yes, we had an amazing time. Always so great to see each and every single one of you at the Ted Jones Comedy Show. And the lineup was amazing. The lineup also for tomorrow is going to be great. I can't wait for that. So the Australian Open on its way. It is moving. I'm really excited to see who's going to take this title uh, a ton of good matches. We've seen a lot of the younger guys. You're starting to finally see the guys who are under 25 years old really do damage in these Grand Slam tournaments. For no joke, like eight years, it was just Rafa, Novak Djokovic, and Roger Federer, and then also a little bit of Andy Murray. But it was just consistently those four dudes who are always making the semifinals in these majors. And now... It's going to be an exciting time to see really who pulls through and how young the new generation is. You know, Federer, 40 years old, and these young guys who are in the top 10, they're like 22, some of them 21. But um, it's crazy because tennis is really an age where you are peaking from like the ages of 21 to 27. And then when you hit 30, you're considered like a little bit older in the game. Like Roger Federer, obviously a unicorn. You know, nobody plays tennis until they're 40 years old. And also Tom Brady, exactly a, unic- a unicorn in that, you know, nobody plays football past the age of 42. That's crazy. Tom Brady may retire. Guys, this weekend was the craziest weekend of sports for sure. In terms of, I mean, football, all four divisional games went to the wire had like a, you can call them buzzer beaters. I said, yeah, why not call them buzzer beaters? And then maybe they might be changing the rules to overtime because when Kansas played the Bills, you know, it was like first to score in overtime or first to score a touchdown at least. And that's like, I don't know, that's not fair, not exciting. And it's whoever wins the coin toss and then scores a touchdown, they win. Just like, doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know, I don't know why. They would have that, especially in a game that's like three and a half hours. It comes down to wire and it's just based all on luck. That's a little weird. Like I've spoken about, I mean, we'll refer back to tennis. I've spoken about how men in Grand Slams, for those of you who don't know, it's the U.S. Open, French Open, Wimbledon, and the Australian Open are the four Grand Slams. In the Grand Slams, men play three out of five sets. And each set could last around about an hour. I'd say the average set is anywhere from probably like 35 to 50 minutes, but some of these sets go like over an hour, like even an hour and 15 minutes long. And then when these guys are out here playing five sets, they're on the court for sometimes like over five hours. And then they're expected to play 40 hours later, you know? So tennis, while it is grueling on the body, obviously football is too, but I think we need to find somewhat better rules in sports. You know, I see that the triple a and baseball, they're going to start using umpires, behind the plate like digital umpires so basically i think how it's going to work is they'll just have a strike zone like a rectangular strike zone and it'll just be easier for the pitcher and batter to get along easier with balls and strikes you know like all you have to do is just put it in that rectangle and it's a strike and then if it's outside the rectangle it's a ball but i think you know that was maybe like a little random tangent but talking about tennis 
the fifth set in Grand Slams, like to make it more exciting, we should play a tiebreaker to 21 points. Or maybe you play a tiebreaker to 11 points. But for these guys to play five and a half hours and then they're getting paid the same as the women, this is a, a circumstance where women and men do get paid the same in Grand Slams, which is great. I think that's fine. But women are, pay, are playing two out of three sets, which usually is a match that lasts two hours or under two hours. And then men, they're expected to play double the time. I don't know. It's just not fair. And I think it'd be more exciting if we put a tiebreaker for the fifth set, you know, not play uh, to six games, just do like uh, I serve one, you serve two, 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 back and forth until one of those um, people gets to 21 points. I think that'll be more exciting. But the football was no short of excitement this weekend. It was amazing. Um, Not really such a football guy, but I sat down, took the time to watch it a little bit with some of my boys. And that was dope. I was really impressed by how how football is doing. People freaking love football. I've talked shit about football here in the past, but hey, whatever. You know, it was fun a little bit. I just don't like it because, like, I don't know. I don't like seeing these eight-year-olds get lit up on the field, you know, playing peewee football. Like, that can't be good for a kid to just be getting hurt when they're eight to ten years old playing a sport. You know, like, we're so worried about kids lifting weights and stuff, but, like, kids are getting tackled. When they're 8, 10 years old, peewee, people should go to the gym when they're 8 and 10 years old, learn how to lift, you know, under the correct supervision. But that's neither here nor there. That's um, up to each parent. Whatever you do with your kid is your choice. So, guys, um, I'm actually going to give my old tennis coach, Jack Brody, a call right now. I want to discuss the Australian Open with him and kind of get um, an idea of what he's really thinking in terms of who he thinks is going to win the Australian Open and maybe who he thinks is going to be number one in the world in the future. There are definitely a few options, but while I'm speaking to Jack, I definitely want to pull up the Australian Open draw so we can kind of get a better handle on um, who we think is going to take the title. If you guys have any thoughts... as well you guys let me know ted jones world at gmail.com but i look forward to the rest of this australian open and then obviously the u.s open your boy is always at so i love that as well any tennis i really love watching money jack brody how are you sir fantastic fantastic how about you my friend i am great so jack we have you live here on the ted jones world podcast say what up what up? Yeah, you know, so Jack um, was on a previous episode of the Ted Jones World Podcast. We talked all about tennis. It was an amazing episode. If you guys haven't seen that episode, go back and check that. But Jack, I just wanted to call and kind of tickle your brain has a little not bit. Not been the same since, just so you know, bro. Well, thank God we're getting this together, and yes. hopefully we got a hit soon, man. Because it's been probably ten years <laughs> since we hit. Right. That's right. We gotta. Yeah, we gotta. All right, so um, dude, so I wanted to just. Uh, talk to you about the Australian Open. Maybe let's first kind of talk about, I was just talking about how um, the last eight years of tennis, it's really only been Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, and Andy Murray. Like if you saw the semifinals of a Grand Slam tournament, like the past seven or eight years, you'd be surprised if those four guys weren't in it. Bump that up to about 15 years and you're right. Mm -hmm. It's been about 15 years. So I mean, really, they've, I mean, Federer was winning you know, tournaments 15 years ago, and then Nadal joined them about 14 years ago. And then Djokovic maybe a couple of years, a year or two after. But, yeah, it, they've been doing this for, you know, running on two decades now, these same three guys, and, and Andy Murray for a while, yeah, until he got hurt. So who do you see as, um, you know, we'll talk about men's and women's here, but who do you yep. see as the new 
the new young gun coming in. You know, CC Pass has been around for a little bit. Zverev team. Do you see any of these younger guys like an Alier Jassim? That's, that's a tough one. I wish I could say it. Uh, in the men, I think we have the golden era. Um, Djokovic is still young, so we'll see what happens with this weird COVID stuff because he's still young. Remember, he's the youngest of the four. Yeah. And he's still got, I think, several Grand Slams. I think this was his to, this was his to lose to COVID, actually. I, I would have picked him to win this tournament. Really? And I think a lot of people would. He would have been the number one seed and the defending champion for the last couple of years. Um, but um, the new guys, I think... I think Medvedev is really a force to be reckoned with. The two seed in the tournament, yeah. Yeah, sits across, he comes and goes, he has a good turn. Same with team, right? He gets to the finals of one tournament, and you don't hear from him for a few months. So I don't know if any of the other guys has the um, discipline. That's the one thing when you watch Djokovic and Federer and Nadal, they're so disciplined in what they do that they just, I mean, you have to club them. To, to win a point. I mean, it's really hard to win a point off those three guys. They just don't miss for no reason. And the other guys are a little emotional. Like I said, not quite as disciplined with their strokes. So they come and go a little bit like the women, you know, and the women, they're really, it's really funny about the women, except for Ashley Barty, all of a sudden starting to emerge. But uh, for more than a decade, nobody won a tournament twice in a row. I mean, you know, no one won two tournaments in a row, you know. You, you, one went, Halep would have a great tournament. Then Lasicki would have a great tournament. And Osaka had one great tournament. But but nobody seems to be able to string it together in the women. And I think you're finding that going to find that happen in the men again. So you mentioned – I, I think after these three guys, it might not be so dominant. So you mentioned Djokovic, you know, being kind of young. Djokovic being 34. When do you think that the tennis game kind of – revamped their age system because i remember you know probably like 20 years ago if you were 30 years old in the game of tennis you know you were about getting ready to hang it up you know what i mean yeah yeah um no not anymore in fact some of these guys don't even emerge till they're about 32 or 33 i mean look at chillich he's having a great tournament he's in his late 30s well but he won the Uh, u.s open in 2014 though you know you can argue and say that that was his best year that's true, but he's still looking pretty strong. We got to the quarters this year. I mean, looks right. pretty good to me. Right. Uh, but no, like I said, these guys are so. I mean, Nadal, he, he's like a machine. Uh, but his body. But you're right. His body is starting to break down. He's my pick for this tournament, even though everyone else is saying wow. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nadal because I think he's still mentally a force to be reckoned with, and. Um, I think he's going to be hurting after the tournament. He's probably hurting after last night's five-setter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sure he's in hurting the, after last in night. The, in the press conference, Jack, uh, by the way, uh, Marin Cilich, round of 16 uh, this tournament. Oh, but, okay. but Rafael Nadal was talking about last night, how about how, after the press conference two months ago, he had no idea if he was going to be able to compete at this Australian Open. And it's so crazy to see him compete at such a high level, you know? Like, I remember back in the day, like, when, you know, I was playing with you and stuff, like, if I had an injury... I wasn't even like thinking about two months ahead and if I was going to be able to play that tournament coming up. But this guy's just so, I mean, he's been such a grinder for so many years and people always are talking about, Oh, Nadal's going to get hurt. He can't last that long. It's this and that. And now 
you know, you see Nadal and you see Federer a little bit hurt. But, I mean, Federer definitely, yeah. you know, has a few years on he, Nadal. Yes. Yes, he does. And uh, and, and I think Federer is still going to play. I don't know I if he so. has another grand. I, I, me too. He's beautiful to watch. Yes. I hope he has another grand slam. And yes. I probably don't think so. Right. Um, yeah, But Nadal, he is he is a force. I mean, you remember when when you were out here on the West Coast, you remember Steve Foreman? I mean, Foreman played him at 14 years old in a big international junior tournament in Africa. And when he got home, I said, you know, I said, and Steve was number one in the country, Foreman. And I said, Steve, you, tell me, you could beat this. Because he said, this guy, Rafa, is on <laughs> And I said, you could beat him on a good day. He says, Jack, I could have the best day of my life. And he could have the worst day of his life. He could be sick. He, he said that to me. He says, this guy is unstoppable. So, and then I, I, I play now with a guy, Anton, here in Denver. I just moved out here. And I play with him every week or two. And he's from Belarus. He was number one in his country in the juniors. And he played Nadal. And he said, there's nothing like Nadal. So Nadal is really a special character. He's sort of, he's mentally so, so tough that I think if he can, if he can do it physically, I think he's got this Grand Slam and, and the French Open. So I think he'll beat all the records. Aye, That's what aye, I'm. And, yeah, I know, and it's all because of Djokovic stepping out because of COVID. I mean, there, I Every, don't think these other. Tor- I don't think changed. these. Yeah, I don't think these other tournaments. I mean, these Grand Slams. He's not going to be able to play the French. You know, their rules are kind of the same as Australia. Maybe not as um, intense as the Australian COVID rules. Not but, looking good for Wimbledon. Yeah, we'll I, see. I, I mean, it's just like day. it's also it's not a good look for like what Djokovic did. And he's not really speaking out about it. You know, it's fine maybe that he's unvaccinated, in my opinion. But if he's going around acting like he is the only person who should have this special treatment at these tennis tournaments, I mean, dude, he's already number one in the world and he has so many titles. People treat him a certain way. And now he expects to get treated on top of that, you know, even with more favor. You know, I, I, I don't get it. I don't, you know, it's such a weird world right now. I mean, look, you got basketball players, that guy Ennis. He's speaking out, and and uh, Kyrie and Aaron Rod and Aaron Rodgers, right? He's kind of similar in a way. Uh, so you know, I just you know, it's hard for me to say because I, I wouldn't be that vehement about you know. I mean, if I was a tennis player, I guess I'd get the vaccine because you got it. I mean, I didn't want to get the vaccine personally, but I had to go to New York a while back and visit my mother and put her, you know, take care of her a little mm-hmm. bit, and. Uh, I was like, well, too bad. I'm getting the vaccine. I got to get the vaccine because I want to see my mom. Right. So, you know, but some of these guys, I don't know what to say. You, you don't know whether to salute them for being independent thinkers and blah, 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 or to criticize them because, you know, why, why buck the system type of thing? So I, it's just, I won't say, you know what I mean? I won't say because everyone's different and every person's an individual and I guess they have to follow their own. They got to they got to march to their own drum. I, I don't know what to say about it, about Djokovic. I you know, really it, you know what's different about Djokovic and just like your regular American who doesn't want to get vaccinated is that I believe Djokovic never really was like a vaccine guy. He never was getting the flu flu shot year over year. But also, there's something to be said about the health of Djokovic. You know, Djokovic is one of the. I mean, one of the yep. premier fitness guys in the entire sports industry. You know, and like, don't forget, a year ago he got COVID. So he exactly. says, I've got that. Yeah, and December, a lot of, yeah. you know, I mean, like I said, I don't want to be political, but a lot of doctors, scientists go, well, once you get it, you have the antibodies, and that's better than a vaccine. 
so and you're right. Djokovic is really finicky, isn't he? I mean, look at his diet. No and uh, like, dude, nobody goes out and is does their sport for five and a half hours and then comes back on the court forty hours later and dominates. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know. I mean, Djokovic is definitely a, an interesting character, right? I mean, he lived in the shadow of when I when I knew when you and I were working out, right? When we were when we were uh, doing our thing out here, you remember Djokovic was living in the shadow of Nadal and Federer, yeah. right? I mean, he was he was the stepchild, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you got to give the guy some credit. He changed his diet. He did this. He did everything he had to to beat what everyone thought were the two greatest players of all time, two Michael Jordans in tennis. Somehow, I, I still can't believe Djokovic was the one who ended up dominating uh, for a decade. You have to give the guy credit. He's not anyone's favorite player that I know of. Right. Everyone seems to either love Rafa or Roger, me included. I'm a big Roger fan. You know that, Teddy. And um, But you gotta, you got to give Djokovic his due. I mean, you can't not respect him i mean you know kind of like kobe or lebron you might hate one of those guys but you've got to give them their respect because they were always do absolutely and, all right and, just and, to, and that's novak you know i hear you well i mean i'm very curious to see what happens um on these upcoming grand Me slams too. because and also if nadal wins this tournament and then wins the french like what are us Federer and you know some Djokovic fans going to say you know you can't say that nadal's not the greatest of all time if he does something like that but i mean when you but, have when you have yeah. 13 french opens it it seems as if he would be considered maybe one dimensional you know when he's not able to do kind of the same thing at wimbledon but I mean, just winning that many titles and that much consistency. Djokovic has that much consistency over his career during some points. Federer as yep. well. But, I mean, you're looking at a Nadal and you're like, all right, since this kid was 17 years old, even 16 years old, coming on beating Carlos Moya, you know, Djokovic didn't have something like that in the beginning of his career. Federer, you know, beat Sampras, of course, at a time in his career. But Nadal's been winning idea. the French since he was like 18. Unheard of. Yep. Un it is unheard of. Yeah. It is. Well, you know, all I can do is I keep looking at the draw, and I keep looking at the top half of the draw, and it looks so strange to me, because in the quarters, you would have had Nadal, Djokovic. That would have changed the whole tournament. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the only thing I will say is you do see a lot of new players, and even old players like Monfils, you know, they're all getting to the quarters, and that's partly because you don't have Federer and Djokovic in this tournament, and um, and like I said, in some ways, it's good. People want to see new people, but me being a purist that I am, I want to see the best players in the world. So, of course, I was disappointed when I saw that draw go from Djokovic to a qualifier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right. you know, that little space was filled by a queue. And I'm like, oh, my God, what a difference to have a no name. And I still don't even know who filled his name, place. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember his name, but instead of world number one and last year's reigning champion of the Australian Open. Um, it really messed up. All I can say is maybe the French and Wimbledon will be better, even if Djokovic is out, because the draw won't be so strange. The draw is very strange this year without Djokovic, because he pulled out at the last, you know, they, they kicked him out at the last minute. And so they just stuck a qualifier in there. And, and that just completely changed the draw. So on the, so, so on the bottom half, you know, we have um, four guys who are under 25 years old. I actually just want to pull them up so I don't mess up any of their names. But we have Yannick Sinner, 
versus Stefanos Tsitsipas. Who do you have winning that match? Uh, you know what? Everyone's going Tsitsipas. I've seen Tsitsipas live. I've seen Sinner live. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna buck the trend on this one. I'm gonna go Sinner. Let's go. They were saying, dude. They were saying. They were saying on ESPN that, I, or Darren Cahill was saying that this guy, he has all the tools to be number one player in the world. I mean, he just needs to get more pop yeah. on that serve, and then he's just so solid from yeah. the ground. And sits a pass. When I saw him a couple of times, he comes and goes a little bit mentally, and. Um, you know, I just don't know. I just, I think he takes his forehand a little early out of the pocket. So not quite as big a pop as some of the other players who catch it a little later and, and get a bigger pop on the ball. Uh, I'm going to go with Sinner. And I think Berrettini's a force. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, that that was an incredible match with Nadal. But I don't know. Somehow Nadal pulled it off after losing the third and fourth sets. I thought he was done. Uh, but, you know, like I said, Nadal is... Mentally, he's ridiculous. He's Wait, so, you're talking so about tough. oh, you're you're talking about Nadal versus Shapovalov that just happened. Shapovalov, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Shapovalov. He's, I mean, he's right, he's right. incredible. I think these two Canadian guys, Shapovalov and Ajir Aliassim, are going to be top five players in the world sooner rather than later. Yeah, I actually saw Augur uh, Felix. I saw him beat Sitsipas over at Indian Wells. Okay, so that and that was when that was one of the ones where I thought Sitsipas just didn't look quite to have as many weapons. Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm going to go center. I'm going to go Nadal for the tournament. Yeah. And I think Ashley on the other side of the women's, I, I just think she's dominant right now. She's just flying through the tournament, hardly losing any games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, she has, she, the, she has the most, all, she, yeah, she has the most all around game in my opinion too. She has every shot. Mine too. Yeah. I, I think she's got that nice, as we call it, nonlinear game. You know, Absolutely. Bro. Yeah, I think she looks the best right now. I was surprised to see Halep go out. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, the women is funny. It's, it's been this way for, you know, since probably, I guess Serena was really the last dominant. and uh, But even she started losing in the end. And it's really funny how the women, there's just no one seems to be able to break out, you know, like Federer did and like Nadal did. And no woman really breaks out and has two good tournaments in a row. You know, you just don't see it. Yeah, but I think I think Vardy does look really good this tournament. I've been watching her so and and the doubles. By the way, I watched the dubs. I think um, my boy Kyrios. I like watching Kyrios. Oh, he's playing with like Kokonakis. Yeah, I think they're going to win the tournament. What? Yeah, I think they're in the, they're in the finals. I think we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. The finals are semis. I know they won uh, in three sets yesterday. I think it might be semis because the finals is probably later in the week. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but I, I think they could win it. And, and I'd like to see Felix, uh, I mean, not Felix, I'd like to see Kyrgios uh, stay in the game. And, you know, I always wonder if he will because he's such a, you know, like a whack job. But I really like yeah, him. Yeah, bro. He, I mean, he's, he, he's, like by, he's the most talented. Yeah, he's the most talented guy on tour, I'd say. Yeah, he's kind of like a Monfils in a way, you know, where his mind sort of gets in his way and his, you know, his outright belligerence you know, stops him a little bit yeah. but gosh he's fun to watch because he's he's a master you know he's he just treats the racket like it's a wand right it's uh, incredible really but uh, anyway so that's yeah that's my take on this year's tournament cool dude. how about you who are you picking who you, you know picking i mean now you? like initially i was i was thinking maybe like a cc pass zverev but i mean now that we're seeing nadal you know, he was up two sets to love against Shapovalov last night, and then it ended up going to a fifth set after Shapovalov won the third and fourth set. 
So I, you know, I thought there was going to be something there, but I think Nadal's just going to be too solid. So he's going to beat Berrettini in the semis. Um, probably what it, what is it? it was probably last night as I'm recording this, and um, it's going to be probably Nadal versus Medvedev in the finals. And oh, I agree. I think it's going to be agree. Nadal, Nadal, and Ashley Barty. Yes, on the other side. Yeah, that's what I'm calling. That's so, what I'm calling. But I'd sure like to see Sinner pull the upset because I think he will. I think he can. Yeah. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun match. Uh, and he is fun to watch, Sinner. He really is. He he can spank that forehand big and flat when he wants to, and that's fun to see. Yeah, and he come and the way that he like uses the angles too, like he really cuts off the court. Does a great job with that. Yeah, yeah, he really does. He's fun. Yeah, I've been watching him for over a year now, and I'm thinking this guy's going to pull out. And he's going to definitely be top ten, and he's definitely there now. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jack, I'm good. I'm glad you're watching it. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the podcast. Guys, anytime I just want to talk tennis, I uh, I call this guy Jack Brody. He knows his freaking shit. Jack, why don't you plug your website really quick so everybody listening and tuning uh, in can uh, visit it? Well, I, I tune in in two weeks because I have a website now, but I have we're going to the next level, bro. Let's go. And it's BrodyTennis.com, B-R-O-U-D-Y. And like I used to say in college, it's Rowdy with a B. And it's B-R-O-U-D-Y, BrodyTennis.com. And uh, you can look at it now, but uh, in two weeks, it's going to be something really special, money. Cool. And, uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Can't wait for that. Jack, thank you so much for tuning in, Good. man. I'll uh, talk to you offline. No, it's my pleasure. So long. Peace, bro. All right, guys. Well, that was a nice uh, nice little conversation there. Jack Brody um, was on the Ted Jones World Podcast. I had mentioned that to you guys earlier. I'm going to find out what episode because I forget which episode exactly. But Jack has coached the guys, uh, excuse me, the likes of Steve Johnson, Sam Query. If you guys don't know who those two guys are, huge American tennis players have been top 20 in the world. But he knows the game really better than anyone else. And when you speak to a guy who really knows about the sport, it's interesting when you hear, you know, hear the way they talk, you know, because they're not just talking about vague scoring or stuff. They're kind of talking about how everything is mental and how you're playing the game. Like just if you speak to a former NBA player about the NBA, they're probably a little bit more insightful than the average fan, you know, just because they've played so much. Okay, I'm scrolling through the episodes here. Guys, we got a lot of episodes, so a lot of scrolling here. Um, should be like 160 something or no, hold on. 158 tennis scientist, Jack Brody. So if you guys liked, um, what Jack was spewing right there, uh, listen to the full episode that we have together on the uh, Ted Jones World Podcast, episode 158. Guys, well, you know, this was like a tennis-focused episode. You know, I'm not mad about that. If you guys have never really watched tennis, I recommend you watch it. It's fun. You know, we have great athletes out there. It's very quick and fast. It's not like, you know, you watch football, there's a play, and then 30 seconds later, there's another play. Tennis is always flying. Tennis is always popping. Come to that Ted Jones Comedy Show tomorrow night, Friday night, 11.59 p.m. You guys can make it to that show. Just check the link in this YouTube video or whatever. Hopefully you're in in NYC. And we have a show on February 7th, February 10th, February 21st. But then also tomorrow night, guys, it's going to be lit, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the Ted Jones World Podcast. As always, if you would, please leave a comment, rate, review subscribe wherever you're watching this tune in tell your friends all right we'll see you guys next time peace